Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's a brand new show, not football related this one, but we're going to talk about a different thing every month. Um, this show is a collaboration between the Square Ball, that's me, Dan, and Michael, and Andy's Man Club. Um, Andy's Man Club's slogan is, it's okay to talk, hence the name of the show. Uh, it's a suicide prevention charity, men's suicide prevention charities, Andy's Man Club, if you've not heard of them, offering free-to-attend peer-to-peer support groups across the UK and online. And Andy's Man Club want to end the stigma around uh, men's mental health and help men through the power of conversations. So we're, we're going to be sat here having conversations. And we'll introduce our guest in a second, Ollie from Andy's Man Club. Uh, groups meet every Monday except bank holidays at 7 o'clock, places across the country. You can find your nearest group if you go to andysmanclub.co.uk. So what we're going to do is talk about um, regular things that happen in our day-to-day lives, basically. Topic of the month, if you like and look at some of the, the common issues that, that come up and just have a chat about them and normalise some of these things. Maybe share a few stories and hopefully have a laugh with it. Uh, our guest from Andy's Man Club is Ollie. Do you want to introduce yourself, Ollie? What do you do there at Andy's Man Club? So my official job title is Project Development Champion. And as you can probably tell, it's one that I made up myself. Um, so <laughs> Have you got your own business cards that you've printed off at a service station? Yes. yes. No, I didn't even use a service station. I just used the printer at home. Um, they are A4. Perfect. <laughs> My job entails uh, a whole broad range of everything that we do at Andy's Man Club, but the primary role is to look after our volunteers. Uh, we've got about a 1,000 volunteers now across the UK, and I make sure that those guys are okay, they've got everything that they need to run the groups. But the other side of the role is is doing things like this, raising awareness about who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Yeah, and uh, you started out as somebody who attended the sessions, and it's turned itself into a job, so there's a, there's a labour of love thing there, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I was actually at the first session that we ever had, um, as somebody who, who needed support when I was uh, in a dark period in my life. And I went on to volunteer for about four years whilst working full-time elsewhere. And now I've turned something that I was doing as a passion into my full-time job, and it's absolutely amazing. Good work. And with Christmas just around the corner this month, we thought we'd talk about the experiences of the festive season. Because when we were sort of conceiving this as an idea, we were, you were saying, actually, Christmas is kind of billed as a very, it's a time of great happiness and the most wonderful time of the year. But that kind of builds a pressure into it, doesn't it? Because not everyone finds it easy. And you've, you were saying to us when we were thrashing out ideas for this show that actually there's a lot of lads who turn up to the to the sessions who struggle over Christmas and find it difficult. And I mean, should we start with that that as an idea? Then the idea that you should be happy over Christmas due to those heightened expectations, because it can then be a struggle if you find that you're not if you're not meeting those expectations. Yeah, those social pressures uh, they're they're unreal, aren't they? You know, and I I struggle with that perceived sense of happiness i need to be quite organized and know what i'm doing to feel fulfilled if you like but 
the um, unexpectedness of Christmas that happens at the same day every year. Um, <laughs> They've not moved it yet, have they? No, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, it's now currently the weekend before Christmas. I've not got any Christmas presents. I've not done any of my shopping. And I'm quite frankly, don't know when I'm going to squeeze it in. It's, uh, we'll get there. It'll be fine. It will be fine. But, um, <laughs> yeah, are you convincing us or yourself? <laughs> uh, a bit of both. It's just if the missus is listening, that's all. Yeah. If you get for Amazon or a garage, it's fine. I mean, Amazon has helped massively in terms of purchasing, hasn't it? Like the, the guy who delivers to our house, I think we'll probably just be inviting him around next year. <laughs> is there is there that often now dropping stuff off? So that's helped, hasn't it? But uh, some, of the, some of the threads we, we pulled on when we were talking about this then. So we've got that. There's the heightened expectations and the struggle sometimes when you're not, you know, when you think you're not meeting what society demands of you over Christmas. Family tensions was an idea that we, we thought we could talk about. Losing family members as well. Loss at Christmas is a big thing for a lot of people because of that heightened emotion, um, which can also feed into like loneliness. There's the changing nature of families as well. You know, stepkids and step parents and all that. Access to kids can be an issue over Christmas. We've got the financial pressures. Even just tiredness from travel stress, hosting people, whatever it might be. Being out of your comfort zone as well. Even guilt, overindulgence are all things that can happen over Christmas. So where, where do you want to start on this one? And what's a good, a good jumping off point, do you think? Let's talk about family, because Christmas is traditionally a time for family, isn't it? I am part of a very large extended family at the moment. So my um, my, my other half, her mum got remarried a long time ago. So they've got seven kids between them. And on top of that, there's the grandkids. I think there's about 14 grandkids. And there is, we have a secret Santa every year. There's that many of them. It just turns into a bit of a free-for-all, you know. I don't know enough about everybody individually to know what I'm expected to get somebody for, for Secret Santa. Um, and funnily enough, I've had the same person two years in a row now, and, <laughs> and it's another very extended family member that I've, I only meet a handful of times. And it just goes back to those pressures, doesn't it? You know, I've, I'm having to um, have these gift ideas for, for people that I don't know that's going to be delivered. On top of what you're doing anyway, the yeah. pressures around that. Yeah, yeah. And given you said you've not bought anything, are they getting some screen wash, bag of charcoal or something like that this year? <laughs> From the garage. Same, same as last time. I'll probably get the kids screen wash because it's something useful that I can use <laughs> later oh, on. They it? love it. It's bright blue colour. It's like Avatar, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks like um, blue Powerade. <laughs> no, no. We, we should say very, very clearly, do not drink screen wash. It's really, really hazardous for your health. <laughs> yeah, that's all the... All the podcasts that all the yeah. some of the more conspiracy theory ones will, will tell you it's a good idea but <laughs> we should definitely say, not very much for the record do not drink drink screen wash yeah, it's about as good for you as bleaching so stay yeah. away from that one yeah well. avoid avoid all that but there is definitely that that pressure to deliver isn't there um and i mean i know i struggled when i so when i ended up referring myself for therapy it was a, it was an occurrence around christmas that kindly uh sorry finally kind of sealed the deal for me like i had a moment of like you know like in the movies it's like oh um, and because I wasn't able to buy Christmas presents, like I, I mentally shut down. I found the process of buying Christmas presents overwhelming. So there was a year, a couple of years back, two or three years back, where I just I couldn't physically buy them. I found it too stressful. And I thought, that ain't right. You should be able to buy Christmas presents and it shouldn't be this bad. And it was all sort of tied back to finances. And we're going to talk about money, I think, next month when we get into January, which is a time when a lot of people struggle, particularly with the you know, the early payment of uh, of Christmas money and spending it all over the festive season. We'll do that. But when I did end up speaking to a therapist about this and explored it, it was like, yeah, well, you, you were worried about money because I was self-employed and I just lost my job. So the, the anxiety all went back to that. And then 20 years of being a freelancer as well, of, of being under pressure to not lose your job on any given week. Because when you're on a salary, it's different. You know, you've got a certain amount of security baked in, haven't you? If you get made redundant, you know probably there's going to be some sort of safety blanket there, hopefully. But when it's freelance, it is just a free-for-all. And 
I built it up into such a thing where I just couldn't handle the process of going into a shop or going into a website and buying a thing, which it blows my mind thinking about it now. But that was the the real like canary in the coal mine, if you like, when I was like, yeah, this isn't right. I need to do something about this. When people come in, do they? What are the main concerns about about around Christmas that you find at the moment? Is it stuff around families, or is it more about finances? Because obviously, it's a it's a terrible time for people with heating bills and um, cost of mortgages and stuff, and rent all going up as well at the same time. What is it? What is it you find mainly at the moment? Um, I've probably the lads that come through the door. It's um, they struggle with Christmas because it's a time that they've had a shit experience with it in the past. Mm-hmm. Whether it's somebody that has passed away over Christmas or you know, reminders of, of past Christmases when they've been on their own um, or a time when they've struggled. It's that almost, um, that I think the repetitive nature of it, it it's really triggering if you have mm. been through some sort of trauma at that time of year in the past. I can imagine it's probably quite triggering as well if you've had good ones in the past and you're facing not such a good one. You know, if you've if it's the first year without your kids or something, if you've if you just separated and you may be having to, you know, you're doing Boxing Day, you get Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, but the day itself, you know, they're out, they're elsewhere or something. I imagine that's difficult for people. Yeah, exactly that. And I've just been uh, to do a talk at um, a drug and alcohol recovery service up in Leeds, and they were saying that for a lot of these lads, it's going to be the first Christmas that they have that they're going to be sober. And there's that perception as well of, of having to have a drink around Christmas time, having a glass of wine with your Christmas dinner, or whatever it might be, going to the pub and meeting up with some mates. So... Everybody's got their own little story, haven't they? Everybody's got their own reasons why they find certain things difficult, but because of the perceived pe- pressures of Christmas, I think it really heightens those for a lot of people. I didn't have a single drink last Christmas at all, because as, as part of um, trying to unpack why shit went wrong for me a few years ago, um, I thought, I don't want anything that like alters my mood, so I dropped coffee for a bit, you know, because of the caffeine buzz and then the, and the drop afterwards. But I also not completely cut out alcohol, but just didn't really bother with it, because I always thought, well... I know by and large I'll feel shit tomorrow and I don't want to, I don't want any other excuse to feel shit tomorrow. So just cut it out. So it's, it is doable. You don't, you're not forced to drink and you don't, you know, if, if you've got it within yourself to turn around to people and say, I'm not drinking this year, then I guess you could. It but, is diff- I suppose the more people are involved, the more difficult that is though I can see because particularly if you've got, depending on where you work, it might be like everyone's having a big staff night out or something and if you're, if the reaction of people, if you said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to drink, it's kind of it is problematic, isn't it? Yeah, I well, I don't think it's problematic so much as maybe it's just a reflection of it being baked into this the culture in this mm-hmm. country. Where like, we're a very alcohol led country, aren't we? I don't know whether that's the dark nights or the you know, whatever it might be to, to see you through winter. Because I went out on Saturday and had some beers around the football and a couple of drinks with my mates, but it's probably only since I've got into my like my mid forties now where I've eased off because I know what happens if we if we, if I don't go home at midnight and it turns into a two or three in the morning, it's bleak for the rest of the week. Yeah, the whole week. The whole week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we spoke about it last time I was here, those extended hangovers. And uh, I remember when we were younger going out on a sort of Friday night, getting in Sunday evening and, and then showing up to work fresh as a daisy on Monday morning. But if I did anything similar to that now, I'd be written off the entire month, let alone the week. But it's funny you should say that, because last Christmas was actually the first Christmas that I properly had a drink. Because usually I, uh, my little boy lives with his mum and I pick him up in years gone by on Christmas Day in the evening. So... I've sort of been waiting all day Christmas Day to go and get my son and therefore not not had a drink so I got to drive and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but last year we did it the other way around where he stayed with us Christmas Eve. I dropped him home Christmas morning um, after he'd opened his presents and then had a, a jolly old time on Christmas Day. Well, when you've got a, a family situation like that as well, how does that affect you from an emotional point of view? Was that a struggle at the start? Has it always been a struggle? Um, like handing him over or picking him up later on and not seeing him there on, on Christmas morning opening his presents? Yeah, it felt like I was absent on Christmas Day because I was waiting to go and get him. 
Um, so I've got other kids at home and I felt like he should have been part of that. I felt like he was missing out and I was missing out on having that experience together. And especially those first few years after me and his mum split up when I didn't have the new relationship, I didn't have the kids, I found it really difficult because I was then sat on Christmas Day on my own waiting to go and get my son to start Christmas and then we had Christmas Day on Boxing Day instead. And it's, yeah, it was tough. It is, was. Is it something you've spoken to him about? Is he old enough to comprehend any of that or have you just kind of left it for now? He's, he's 13 now um, oh, okay. and I'm, I'm very open with him about how I feel because what I do, I believe that we have to lead by example in these conversations and if I want him to come to me and talk to me talk to me about his problems, I need to show him that I can do the same. I need to set that example and, and show him that we can have that open dialogue. I think, especially with our children, it's really important to to set that example. Um, I, you know, grew up quite a while ago now when we had a different <laughs> um, atmosphere for growing up as lads where, you know, Lads didn't cry, boys don't cry, man up, or all that sort of thing. And it would be, be stoic, wasn't it, and endure kind of thing, yeah. Absolutely. And the last thing I want is my kids to grow up with those same sort of pressures and stigmas because that's exactly what we're trying to break down. Do you think you show more vulnerability towards your kids than perhaps you were on the end of when you were growing up? It's a little bit different. My, my dad were never around. Right. Um, so I was brought up by my mum and my sister. Um, and my male role models were people I saw on telly or, you know, other people that I saw at school or at work or wherever it might have been. So it was always a perceived idea of what a man should be, what a man is expected to do based on not real scenarios. As much as, as my mum did a great job, you know, there was never that man around. So do you think that's informed how you think about Christmas now with your kids? Like I, not, not having your dad around? I know that not having my dad around has made me a much better father. I know full well that I'm always going to be there for my kids because I know what it's like being on the receiving end of, of not having somebody there. And I suppose that's the only thing I'm grateful for him for, really. Um, the fact that I have a great awareness of the impact that my presence has on, on my kids. On the other side of that, do you think maybe there's also an expectation that you've got to be a superhero and can't show any vulnerability to your kids? You know, and actually that's not always healthy, is it? Whereas if, if you can say to them, you know, I will, you know, I'll miss you tomorrow morning, on Christmas morning, but I'm really looking forward to seeing you later on. It's okay to let them know that you're going to miss them. Absolutely. I think as the head of a household, there is a lot of taking things on your shoulders, isn't there? You know, lads uh, think that they're expected to bear the brunt of everything and that they are there to protect their, their children, their missus, whoever it might be, from those nasty things, those hurtful things. And if they can take that load themselves, then they're doing them a favour. But that can come at a detriment to yourself. If you can do that and have other areas where you can get out all those frustrations and vent those those um, issues that's okay but what you can't be doing is taking on the world's problems and everybody else's problems and having that be detrimental to your own mental health you've got to have some sort of release some sort of uh, get out if you like and Michael do you want to lend your kids 21 for, for Christmas <laughs> Christmas that morning <laughs> don't get me wrong they'll do my head I'm sure they will <laughs> but you wouldn't change a thing would you three I think I think the weird thing with that I found with Christmas now is that I've kind of realised the responsibility for it is passing down eventually because it's one of those things I've always had quite big Christmases when I was younger like when my wife first had one with my family she was like it's just chaos is this because there was there was like 20 odd people in one house and it was all yeah. a bit it was all a bit manic where she was she was used to a much smaller thing and as that's as like people I've still got my gran with us but she's you know she's in her 90s now so she's not in charge of the Christmas dinner anymore we used to, like, my, I moved on to my auntie was doing it and it's, it's kind of going down it's like I think this is 
I think I'm thinking I have to be a grown up here now, which is a bit <laughs> yeah. of a shame because I I used to like Christmas for just sitting there and getting pissed and having a dinner brought to me. It was great. Yeah. It was great. It was great stuff. Now you're like, ah, oh, better. So is that what you got the kids doing I've now? Got, <laughs> but I've got. I'm now responsible. I feel like it almost passing down to be like, well, I I really I've always loved Christmas, and now I need to make sure it's good for my kids. Yeah. So I need to I need to try and make sure that that can continue for them. I suppose. It's, yeah, it's interesting what you said. Like about the generational thing because we always used to as a. Yeah, for for many years, even growing up on a Saturday, our routine was go down to my nan's, my dad's dad, uh, my dad's mum, sorry, on a Saturday morning. Then we'd go off to Ellen Road, watch the football, and then all that changed. Like during the nineties, my parents divorced, so that became a, a different dynamic. We weren't all going to football anymore. And then um, my nan eventually died in twenty thirteen, and it was like three days before Christmas that she died. Great timing and all that, which kind of you know, it just completely changed the the mood around Christmas. And then for another couple of years, so you know, we were talking about lost near Christmas. So it kind of threw all that out the window and, and it feels like as you get older as well, your circle gets smaller. So maybe there's a sense of that growing sense of responsibility around that. I think it, it, it doesn't get smaller, but I think the people who are in charge get smaller, don't they? Yeah. When you become more in charge of, of it as, as generations change, because you're like, I'm the, I'm now the equivalent of like, you know, my dad was. And yeah. I just, I kind of struggle to get my head around that sometimes because I think in your head, you kind of maintain a certain age, don't you? You're like, I still think I'm about 18. Tell I speak to an 18-year-old that I realise I'm... And they think you're an idiot. I'm fucking ancient. <laughs> <laughs> but that does bring that pressure, doesn't it? It goes back to the idea of that, ex- that, that pressure and that expectation of, of being able to deliver. And I guess that's about... I mean, I will say my dad has never even so much as peeled a potato in his life. So he's yeah. not. He's certainly never got involved it, in Christmas dinner, but he was, he was always good for Jeff, it. not a chef. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. skipped a generation there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but the pressure around it, the pressure to deliver as well. And then that brings you back to that struggle when you don't feel like you're in charge and we like to be in charge as men don't we we like to we like to think we've got it and you know we can we can organize things yeah i mean i've i've dabbled at making a christmas dinner in the past and i've got to say it's possibly one of the most stressful things <laughs> that i've ever done in my life all the food were cooked at completely different times so we had a, a burnt turkey and rock hard carrots that went with it but yeah you're, you're absolutely right you know we like to almost be authoritarian in those situations that we would like to know what's going on, know how to handle it and know which direction we're going to go in next. Um, so when when you try something new or when that control's <laughs> removed, it, it just uh, puts you out of your comfort zone a little bit, doesn't it? It does, because well, I do Christmas dinner in our house. When I fuck up something in the dinner, like maybe I've, I've just overcooked something slightly, it really annoys me because I, I should be delivering a good dinner. Mm. <laughs> you know? you it's, don't. Al- it's almost like the whole day is built around it as well, isn't it? If you, yeah. you know burnt the broccoli or whatever I don't eat broccoli so I don't know how you cook it but um, <laughs> then you feel like you've deep let... fry it I think deep fry it <laughs> yeah bad I'm sure it's bad um, but you feel like you've let... ruined the whole day don't you because it's all focused around that, that feast that you have at the middle of the day afternoon whenever I'm quite really I'm at my mum's this year so she's my mum still does Christmas dinner but when because we, we'd flip it between like my wife's family and my family but when it's her side's family we do it at our house and I cook dinner how many are there when you do it and it's stressful this what for just generally like when you're her family when I've done it I think the most I did if I was 11 once that's quite a lot isn't it it was a lot it was too many it was stress (laughs) that was the same year I got got engaged on Christmas day as well I got all um, I I think I got all drunk and emotional and ended up proposing (laughs) when I had absolutely no plans until that until about 30 seconds before it happened and any, like, any regrets Michael bearing in mind <laughs> recording this it's a very good idea stick by it <laughs> but you, you did that didn't you when you were uh, like covered in turkey juice or whatever in yeah. the kitchen yeah I was all, I was in a hoodie that had like fat all drip down the front and I just thought ah, it's a good, as good a time as any of this isn't it and that's where the relationship peaked <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not a great story for her unfortunately when she has to be put, people are you know, coming back from work, oh, how do you get, how do you get, how do you propose? You're like, oh, top of the Empire State Building by yeah. this river or whatever. Covered in turkey fat. He was pissed in a kitchen, covered <laughs> in fat. 
Did anybody at least get some photos of the occasion of you were absolutely dripping? With <laughs> Did you have a ring? What? I'm, no, I, I need more details. I, I had nothing. I, had no, I didn't know it was happening until it happened. Little tinfoil ring. <laughs> we were, I mean, in fairness, we were, we'd already bought a house together and stuff. Yeah. It was it was already happening. Yeah. Have you had the kids by that point? Because that's, no, no. that's, that's a proper permanent seal of deal affair, isn't it? No, it, it was, was pre kids. It was yeah. pre kids. Oh, very brave. So, yeah. Very brave. No regrets. So, I mean, we were sitting about this, this pressure about being host there, isn't there? And, and, and delivering. But on the flip side of that, we were talking about loneliness as well. And if you're not, if you are on your own as a fella because of divorce, different family circumstances, whatever it is, that's a real mental hurdle to overcome at Christmas when you are force-fed adverts of families on TV, the Coca-Cola truck, all that. It's all festive, it's fun, it's families, it's kids smiling. And you're sat there thinking, well, well, what now? But nowadays as well, if you if you flick on Instagram or Facebook, you'll equally you'll see... Hundred pictures of people having. Oh, look at look what a great time we're having! Look at all these, look at all the great presents I've brought! Look at this great food we're having! And you yeah. might be sat there thinking, "Fuck's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> there was um, one year where I thought I was going to be on my own for Christmas. Um, I'd been through a bit of a rough patch. I didn't have anywhere to live at that point in time. And on Christmas Eve, I stayed over at my my sister's house. And in the morning, I'd resigned myself to spending the day at home by myself on on Christmas Day, sat in my pants, playing on the Xbox, drinking beer. Have a curry, but um, she's my half sister, and her dad was having Christmas dinner at his house, and he insisted, and him and his wife insisted that I went along. I was like, "Oh, it's okay, I'll stay here in my pants, drinking my beer. It's fine." Um, but they, yeah, they carried on insisting, and it turned out to be a very, very strange Christmas day. All in all, there was people I'd never met there that weren't even family. I think they'd just taken somebody from the nursing home to say at the end of the table. Um, <laughs> There was the order of the hierarchy of the table was him and his wife at the top, then the lady from the nursing home and a neighbour next to him, then my sister, then the kids, and then I think I was sat on an ironing board at, at the end of the table, <laughs> um, having the leftovers passed down to me. And it was such a bizarre experience. And it, it's one of those, isn't it, you know, where you had a certain, I had a certain expectation. I expected to be sat eating a curry and a nice, wrapping myself up in a naan bread for, for Christmas Day, but I was thrown into this this really bizarre scenario that I had no idea that was coming that I hadn't planned myself for, planned for at all, um, not set myself up for. It just really knocked me for six. I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. I had no way of getting out of there because I'd, <laughs> I'd been given a lift and it was about 400 miles away from my house. And I just had to sit there in, in sheer bewilderment of what was going on around me. Did you enjoy it on balance? Um, you know what? I did. But I think I would have enjoyed my my career my xbox a little bit more i think there's that thing though that um you know they were absolutely insistent that you come along and i think to approach this from the other side of it if you are someone who's on their own there is a tendency to feel like you don't want to impose on people because you think if you're not you're not in a great place i don't want to go and take my shit mood or my shit state of mind to them on christmas and ruin their christmas because that's one of those kind of insidious things is when you're not feeling great or if you you know you maybe suffering from depression or something like that um, you think you don't want to be around people. You tend to withdraw from people, mm. and that can be really, really heightened at Christmas, can't it? That's one of those things where you just like I don't want I don't want to be the you know the the, the one to poison this experience for everybody else. Yeah, um, and I, I definitely felt that way that morning. I thought, you know, I don't want to. I, I don't really know you. Don't, we've never really got on massively. I don't want to come in and ruin your Christmas that you've already planned out and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'd. I wasn't going to reach out to anybody else. I wasn't, you know, there would, were probably dozens of people that would have quite happily had me around the house for Christmas, but you don't want to impose. And I, I'd resigned myself to to the idea of sitting in my sister's house for the day, 
which it was a luxury that I didn't, I didn't have at the time. You know, I was I was flittering around all over the place. So just some nice on my own time, maybe have a bath. Uh, maybe Light some it. candles, get some yeah. uh, buble on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, they, they were doing it from a place of love, and I know that. They, they just wanted to help me. They didn't want to see me on my own at Christmas. Whereas the state that I was in mentally, I didn't want to socialise. I didn't want to be around people that I didn't really know. And it was... Yeah, it was, it was totally awkward. I mean, when, I remember back when I was struggling and one of the other things that stood out to me as a this ain't right was um, not wanting to see my mates when actually what I needed more than anything was to spend time with my mates um, and, and to break the cycle of just sitting sitting in your own head a lot of the time. And this is, you know, bearing in mind I've got the kids at home, married and all that, but still when you're in your own head, you kind of, you find it difficult to interact with the outside world to a certain extent. And I remember my mates had, had organised drinks or whatever and I think I either cancelled or said I couldn't make it or something like that. And that was another one of the alarm bells that kind of rang for me. But in terms of what you're saying there about um, imposing on people and you get in that mindset thinking, I don't want to ruin your event, but they were coming at it from a place of love. And actually you find that, and this, this applies to everybody, helping people and doing things for other people is one of the most rewarding experiences you can have in your whole life. It's one of the things that feels really pure and good, doesn't it? So yeah. if, you, if you're improving somebody else's lot in any small way, and even if you're just being nice to somebody in a shop or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, buying someone's coffee or whatever, it's a nice thing to do, isn't it? Uh, and it makes you feel good for helping other people and you don't want anything in return. So I think it's easy. You must, you must remember that if you are struggling a bit and someone's saying to you, come to ours, you're not imposing actually. You, know, you might be making their Christmas even better for them. I think that's a, a really good way of looking at it um, because if you are struggling with your mental health or even if you, you are just, have the idea of being on your own. It's, it's very easy to look at things from an insular point of view, isn't it? How this is going to impact you rather than how it's going to impact them in a positive way. If they're offering, then it's pretty likely that they actually want you to be there, that they're not just saying it out of being polite. Because, you know, inviting somebody around for Christmas dinner isn't something that, it's not just a throwaway comment, is it? It's not, oh yeah, come around to ours if you want um, and ruin our turkey or, or whatever. But it, it's a personal thing and guys, people are only really going to do that if they they care about you and they want you to be there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, and even if it does shift you slightly out of your comfort zone, 
again, you, you always feel slightly more alive, don't you, when you moved out of your comfort zone and challenged by by something, whether that's people you don't necessarily get on with or people you don't necessarily know. There's nothing necessarily to be scared about in that because we, that's what we, think. we tend to thrive as humans when you're challenged a little bit. And I know when things are not great for you, you don't want to be challenged because it feels like stress. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I know you in particular, Michael, have got a fish out of water story that um, makes me laugh every time. Your South American Christmas. I mean, so I mean, you, you think it's stressful being around your racist uncle or whatever it might be, who you don't agree with, you know, he, he voted leave you, you're a Remainer, whatever it might be. I mean, there's there's that and then there's you in Peru. Well, people know, people know me who listen to this podcast, the sort of person I am. I'm quite, um, what's, the, what's the right way to describe me? I don't know. I suppose I'm, I'm a bit of a miserable old man in some ways, aren't I? So I ended up with a... Peruvian, you, like, you like what you like, don't you, Michael? I ended up with a Peruvian girlfriend somehow. Yeah, in, in Peru? In Peru, yeah, in yeah. Peru. I, I, she was living in America. I ended up quitting my job, went traveling and stuff with her. And then, so we ended up in Peru on Christmas where her <laughs> mum and dad lived again. Their, their route of getting there was kind of interesting that her dad had been sent to prison for quite a number of years for some um, drugs offenses in Peru. <laughs> her mum had moved to the States, got remarried. They kept going back and forth to the States all the time in a small aeroplane. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> yeah. Was a, she did say that she remembers, because it was quite a nice house. in, in um, It was in Lima. Where's all this money come from? And she says they remind, she remembered buying the house in cash. Right. So, I mean, that's not standard, is it? No. Um, if you've seen the like the TV show Narco. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know quite how long he'd been in prison for, but it was quite a while. Um, so mum and yeah had been to the States, got remarried, then got them all papers and stuff, and then ended up divorcing him and then getting back together with the dad. There'd been some incidents of violence between them over the years and stuff, which I I didn't see anything like that. But I ended up in Peru for Christmas with them. <laughs> there's, and, a, there's a film in this, honestly. That, that has to be. <laughs> and her, her dad was, he was like really chilled out, but you know, in that slightly... Intense way. An intense and slightly terrifying way. You know, you think like, you're probably like 25 years older than me, you would kick my head in in an absolute, in an absolute second here. And then it, part, of the, part of the dispute was her mum started quizzing me about which religion I was. Ah. Uh, at which point I had to say, well, not really one. And then she was going, what? You don't believe in God? And she was like, <laughs> telling everyone in the house then that I didn't believe in God. No, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> that I didn't believe in God. And there's like extended family stuff there. Mm. I'd say about 20% of the people there spoke English. So I was able to kind of converse with with a few of them. But the, the whole experience was just just kind of terrifying. You know, you, you're just thinking, I really, really wish I was at home now. <laughs> I want my mum. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first Christmas I'd ever had not at home yeah and it was just wild it was not a very gentle introduction to it if I'd have had if it had been a few years later and I'd been like you know with my wife's side of the family it had been just a nice gentle turkey dinner somewhere in a different bit of Yorkshire that would yeah. have, have been much more much more easy going for me was it all done on the 25th like, or was that because I know I, I think know it was some, the 24th was yeah, the big day yeah differences depending on country and the calendar and the church calendar and all that in there as I, yeah as I remember it I think it was the 24th was the big day there was a full pig in a baby bath in the kitchen that was soaking in, for, in, in um brine in it or in coke and spices no, the, and stuff. Coca-Cola. Not, no, the not a, not the one. <laughs> not, not the Peruvian stuff. <laughs> not, the, not, not that one. Not a dad stuff that he brought from the office. <laughs> no, not that stuff. None of that about actually. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> he'd, I think he'd moved past that. In <laughs> very, very low key at that point. <laughs> yeah, he de- he definitely moved beyond that at that stage. Um, Turn the corner. <laughs> It sounds like a reformed character to me, I don't know about you. So yeah, a big dead pig when I came downstairs in the kitchen, you're like, okay, lovely stuff, <laughs> lovely stuff. I had to also sleep in the spare room because of uh, Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't allowed, weren't allowed to, they knew we'd been like together, but it was uh, all, all I, had to, I had the little room upstairs. Yeah. 
I think they were just uh, punishing you for being a non-believer. It's probably probably possibly true. Was there a lock on the door? The bedroom door? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Just this click of a padlock at night when when you've gone in there. The bucket's in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think the thing that would have upset me most about this uh, Peruvian Christmas is just having to have Christmas dinner without any Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, no, none of that. No, a lot of people will say say not to have them, won't they? We see it's a, it's a bit of a touchy yeah, point. Dis- I say dispute. these people are wrong. Yeah, there are no pigs in blankets either. Mm. Um, just a pig, just a pig, <laughs> just a full pig. It's, it's reminding me actually of Ken Bates that and the stuffed pig that we that went viral on Twitter some years back. It had a pineapple up its ass, didn't it? It did. Was there any of that? Did it, <laughs> no, any, no. Any, any fruit had been inserted or not? That I could see. Maybe a few grapes. Uh, did, did you get to say uh, prayers or anything around ahead of dinner? What did you do when they said prayers? Did you say prayers? I think there might have been some prayers. I just did what I always used to do at school as well, which was just put my head down and not say out. Same as, same <laughs> as I do at, at church ceremonies now, at funerals and weddings and stuff, when there's a bit of that, you just sort of think, just, just going to mime. A little shamed boy at Christmas. <laughs> that actually brings me back to my nan's funeral. Like, obviously, it, it completely gutted Christmas that year. 2013 it was, because we got married the same year, and my nan couldn't come to the wedding. I think we all knew that she was ailing at that point. She didn't go out much. And it was a real shame for her to miss the wedding. But then, and then she died just before Christmas. To my best memory, I think the funeral ended up being, it was either the first week of January, which is bleak enough in itself, or maybe the week between Christmas and, and New Year. But my nan was Catholic as well. And it was one of those things where we were kind of really upset at the start of the ceremony. But it was full Requiem Mass, like the full Catholic Requiem Mass, which goes on a long time. Let me tell you, it goes on a long time. And it got, yeah, we were first sat in the church, kind of all upset and tearful when speaking about my nan. And then we went kind of, onto the extended album mix of uh, of the service. And like about an hour in, you're thinking, ah, come on. <laughs> Not that sad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot why I'm here. <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was a strange old Christmas that sat around the Christmas table thinking, God, my aunt should have been here, but she's not. I think the first Christmas without anyone, even if I'm, I'm fortunate, I suppose, as well, like as you were saying then, I've only ever had you know, a grandparent's die, so it's always been kind of in the right order. But obviously some people will be dealing with loss of, Children or parents, a, a parent siblings, who might be yeah. you know in the in the fifties or something, you know, someone someone you wouldn't have expected to to not be there. I suppose so for those people, I guess it's I guess it's ultra difficult. Yeah, I think I think it's difficult. Whoever it is, if you've got a tradition or an expectation that somebody's always been there and then they're just removed, it's it's going to shake things up, isn't it? You know, there's going to be emotions that you've never had at that time of year before. That sense of what would they be doing if they were here, or uh, you know. You've always got that, that uncle who has a somewhat hilarious to say everything, don't you? And it, without his little snippets of wisdom, everything just seems a little bit flat. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a very sobering experience. I mean, like, um, we've touched on it a little bit on our podcast about when my son was ill. When was it? Two or three years back now. And we ended his second bout of illness. Long story short, he's fine. He had an abscess on his liver that was caused by his appendix, but the appendix had been fixed by some antibiotics temporarily. So they didn't quite know what was going on. So they, they, they trod very carefully with with treating it. At one stage, they thought it might be cancer. So his initial stay in hospital was at the Leeds Children's Hospital on a cancer ward. And if there's ever a fucking sobering place to be ever in your life, it's a children's cancer ward. Hugely uplifting as well to see the kids in there, but also to speak to the parents just as a reminder of how grateful you can be for your own lot in life. And I did speak to a parent in there on the ward that Sam was on and by that time, I think we knew he was going to be okay. Like the, the test results had come back from the drain, the abscess, and they didn't know exactly what the abscess was. So they sent off the cultures, tested it. It came back from the lab. He was going to be all right. Just like a very, very severe infection that he got that had turned into an abscess. In the meantime, I'd kind of got to know one of the mums in there because some of them are staying in there for months and months mm-hmm. on end, looking after the kids, extended periods of chemotherapy. 
And this one woman was saying like she had a number of kids back over at home, lived somewhere else in West Yorkshire, and she was going to have to spend Christmas in there. They just found out that they were going to have to spend Christmas inside a children's cancer ward. Well, I think it, it makes you appreciate what you've got a little bit more, doesn't it? Like I said, there's always somebody out there who's in a bit of a worse situation. And I think it's really important to look at what you do have rather than what you don't and, and just be grateful for the, those things that, that quite often we take for granted, those little things. Um, I say, even if it is just, you know, like, like myself, for example, the story I was telling earlier where I didn't get to see my little boy until Christmas Day evening. At least I was at home with him on, on Christmas Day, even if it was just in the evening, even if I did have to wait all day for it. So whilst that was a negative situation, there's still still positives in there that you can focus on and sort of harness that good energy rather than being drawn in by the negative stuff as well. So is that just about how you process things and how you, how you approach it? Is that something that you know somebody listening to this or, or watching this might think, I'm not looking forward to this Christmas this year for whatever particular reason it is. And it's about maybe, can you reframe it around something that is positive? And at the end of the day, it is worth remembering that, like you were saying about doing Christmas Day on Boxing Day, it's still only a day. It's a day in the calendar. You don't have to fit the same mould that everybody does do. You don't have to follow it in exactly the same way. There's not a, there's not a manual for what Christmas has to be, just because there's a lot of external pressure in terms of adverts and TV and stuff for it to be a particular thing. It can be whatever you want. I completely agree. We're not in the 1950s anymore, are we? You know, everybody's... I think even the word family is such a, a varied and wide-ranging description of a, a unit at the moment. You know, you've got we've got uh, families that are separated, you've got families that have merged and stepchildren and stepparents and that sort of thing. And I think everybody's circumstances are completely unique and completely different. And you've just got to do what's right for you. You don't need to succumb to that pressure of, like you say, having, having the Christmas dinner on Christmas Day, um, opening the presents on Christmas morning. You've got to find a balance and find something that's right for you and your family unit and or your your circumstances and make that work for you guys and, and look for those things that you can enjoy about it rather than those things that you're dreading. I think that's a really important way of sort of flipping it on its head a little bit. And if you are usually dreading Christmas or this one particular thing, just look for some things for to be grateful for in it instead. Whether it is that you know you get to spend time with people that you don't usually meet up with. I've got a friend, his birthday is actually on Boxing Day. So every single year is in Witherspoons at 8 o'clock on, on Boxing Day, waiting for everybody else to arrive in blind faith that, that people are going to show up. And I remember when we were sort of 16, 17, 18, 18 plus, let's rephrase that. Obviously, yeah, yeah. There were maybe 20 or 30 of us that showed up. And I went to meet him last year on his birthday on Boxing Day. I think there were about six of us. But those six of us had a, a bloody good time, you know. And it, they've probably not seen him since the Boxing Day before. And... So he was he was anxious about how many people were going to show up. Is it going to be the best night that everybody's ever had? And I was just like, look, you don't need to worry about that. What we're going to do is make sure that we that are here have a really good time, have a good catch-up, have a good knees-up. So he did in the end of it. I think he went home about five o'clock in the morning, absolutely <laughs> sozzled. But um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wonderful lad. He's listening and knows exactly who he is. But it's, like I said, about that perception. Isn't it? He, was, he was worried, he was nervous, he was anxious about how many people are going to show up? I'm like, that's the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. What you need to do is focus on the people that do show up and make sure that everybody has a very good night and has a good knees up and has a good catch up. And that's that's true is that actually, as you, as you get older and you find that your world kind of starts to shrink down when you have kids and families and stuff, your time, your time becomes more scarce, doesn't it? To devote to stuff. Like I, went, like I was saying before, went out to the football with my mates who we probably do this twice a year and we don't see each other for six months, but we always do it. You know, we always make sure we do it and reconnect at some point. But the ones that are still there that are in your lives are the ones that count. 
that are worth hanging on to, you know? So as, as people will inevitably sort of drift off from the periphery over time because of whatever reasons, you know, many of them legitimate, it's the ones that are still there that still show up that, that really, really count. And equally, I think you can occasionally bring someone back in as well. Maybe you, don't, maybe you haven't seen someone for a couple of years and you'll see them and you'll be like, should do this again. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why we haven't seen each other in three years or five years or 10 years or whatever. And you'll be like, let's do it again. And there's, I think, we're probably moving on to a separate subject there, but the the idea that you can, things only ever drift, like you can you can pull them in again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I guess it's all like, almost like boats on a lake, isn't it? And if you can chuck the rope across and give it a yank, then then why not? I think those those mates that you've you've not spoken to in a couple of years, and you can just pick up the phone and speak to them. Like you had a good chat with them yesterday. Those, mm. those are the the sort of keepers, if you like, aren't they? You know, those are the 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 guys that you don't need to show each other you care every single day. You don't need to be there every single day. But if you do have a have a conversation with them, if you do need them, if you do need to have a, a lads weekend away or whatever, those guys that just show up um, having no sort of pre warning about it or no continued contact if you like because we are busy aren't we as we get older we've got all sorts going on whether it's kids work whatever it might be but unfortunately we can't spend every night in the pub anymore can we like, no, uh, not like days gone by but the important thing is it's that it's that connection thing isn't it yeah. about maintaining those connections and even if it's just you know whatsapp to somebody you haven't spoken to in a bit we were talking about how you can impact other people and do something positive even just dropping a message a message to a mate you haven't spoken to for a bit could be hugely uplifting for them which in turn should hopefully make you feel good about about doing that. You know, if someone comes back to you and says, oh, it's really good to hear from you. Just the little things like that every day can uh, can make a huge difference over time. And 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 what we were saying before about the formula of a family Christmas, you, the connections that you make over Christmas don't just have to be immediate family or even extended family. It can be your mates as well, particularly if you get time off work. And I know everyone's sort of struggling for uh, money and things, but just meet up with a mate, go for a walk, get a coffee, have a pint, whatever it might be. You don't have to go completely nuts, do you? Especially when you get older, because it's hard work. <laughs> oh, that, that's it. Those little little gestures can mean the world to somebody, can't they? Like last year, um, I said I dropped my son off at about ten o'clock Christmas morning, um, but I knew that one of my other friends—I probably see him four or five times a year—I knew that he was having his first Christmas without his kids. So once I dropped my son off, I went round to his house, took him a, a Leeds t-shirt, and just sat and had a coffee with him because I knew that all morning so far he'd been on his own, and it, it absolutely meant the world to him just to. Uh, be included. He was waiting for other family members to finish their morning gift opening sessions or whatever so they could go around to their house without imposing. So for me, just to, to rock up and have a coffee with him absolutely meant the world to him. It, it started his day off in a, a way that would otherwise have been quite quite upsetting for him. And just going back to the idea of this and our, our little tribes, because we are tribal creatures, aren't we? And, and this feeds into the idea of making those connections over Christmas and generally on an ongoing basis as well. We can circle back to Andy's man club here and say that if you are struggling or you feel like your tribe's drifting a little bit, there's something else there that you can maybe get involved in in, fo- in the form of Andy's Man Club because so many of your groups, that the lads who are in it, end up making really deep-seated bonds, don't they, um, f- from being in that group. And that initial step can be really, really hard, particularly putting yourself into a situation where you don't know anybody. I should say with Andy's Man Club, if you show up, um, it's Monday, 7 o'clock, two-hour meeting. You don't have to speak if you don't want to. You don't have to sit there and have these conversations. You can just sit there and just look at the people that are in there. It's you free as well. It's yeah. not like Slimming World. Don't have to, don't have to put your membership <laughs> fees in or anything. Set up free yeah. biscuits here. Free biscuits, free tea, free coffee. You yeah. don't have to sign a register. You don't have to sign your life away or anything like that. There's no forms or anything. We know that it's difficult for lads to reach out and get help. So we try and remove as much of that red tape as possible. Lads can literally show up on a Monday night. You don't need to be referred by the doctors or anything like that. Just rock up, 
I mean, part, part of it is about it being a non-clinical setting as well, isn't it? It's yeah, the yeah. fact that it's it doesn't come with that pressure. You're not speaking to a therapist. I did speak to a therapist and I found it really, really rewarding. But I remember the first hurdle was really felt massive to me. It felt gargantuan in terms of scale. And it can feel a little bit like that when people consider going to like this, like, am I the right am I the person that's going to fit in at Andy's man club? But I think you're here to say it's it's not like that. It's just a ordinary lads in ordinary settings, people like you who have all the usual stuff going on in your life, kids, stepkids, families, all that, normal blokes just sat there having a chat. It's not it's not any uh, it's not this highfalutin concept where you're going to get asked really difficult questions. You can just turn up and sit there. Yeah, and you're right. You don't even have to talk. It's a non-professional service. It's a peer-to-peer support group, which means it is just bringing lads together and giving them tea, coffee, and biscuits, popping them in a room and saying, look, have a chat. And like I'm saying, you don't have to talk. And I think that's a really important thing to get across because sometimes it can just be really useful to sit in a room with other lads and understand that you're not on your own with these things. Because depression, anxiety, they can be very isolating. You can feel like... You're the only one that's going through it. You know, you've got social media, things like that, where you scroll through and everybody's perfect life so all over the place. So you quite often lads think, oh, what the fuck have I done wrong? Why, why is it me that feels like this? So to be in an environment where there are other guys who are talking about their problems and they realise that it's not just them, that everybody's got some stuff that they're going through, um, can be really comforting, really comforting. It's okay to talk is the slogan that Andy's Man Club uses. We put it on this, um, on this show as well. So it is, it's okay to talk about Christmas and have a good one and... If you're going to be facing challenges over Christmas, try and do something to change it. Maybe just a little thing, whether it's to reach out to somebody else or hopefully go around and visit somebody else or they invite you around. Accept the invitation when you otherwise might have said no. It might make all the difference to your Christmas potentially. Even if they've got you sat on an iron name board at the end of the table. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, or it's really worth it. There's a pig in a bath and a man stood there with his gold teeth with a gun on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you for, for, for trying to sleep in the same room as his daughter. He was a really nice fella as well. I, got, I actually found him really nice, but yeah, I was always shit scared of him. Just probably, um, I don't know, I, I guess was maybe what he was aiming for. That was the point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That calmness of knowing that he'd have absolutely no remorse if he had to, you know, chop you up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that, that bath's big enough for you, you know, as well. <laughs> Michael, Ollie, thanks for that. We'll be back in January. We're going to talk about money in January and how that can impact you, particularly when it's, it's a difficult time of year, isn't it? Post-Christmas. We'll speak to you then and enjoy the Christmas as best you can. Final word for Andy's Mantle. When is it meeting over Christmas? So we're recording this on Wednesday, the 14th of December. Is there a session on Monday? The last session of the year is the 19th of December. Yep. Um, and we've, we don't open on bank holidays, unfortunately. The following two weeks are bank holidays. But there will be other activities going on during those times, whether it's a walk and talk, things like that. So just have a look at your local Facebook page or have a look on the website and you'll be able to see. But then they reopen again after Christmas on the 9th of Jan. So Monday the 9th of January, andysmanclub.co.uk for details. We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.